Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So amid the chaos, some cooperation from some former high school and now college football buddies who helped clean up the mess in Tampa. We'll tell you what former plant star and Mets slugger Pete Alonso had to say about the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And the Major League Baseball Players Association has delivered its proposal to the league for a 2020 season. We'll tell you what that entails. Also, the NFL coaches are back starting today. That's right, Bruce Arians can be at the Bucks training facility. But the players, they, they're they not there yet. They can't be much further behind, though, right? We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, we'll get into all that's going on and, of course, uh, a lot in and out of sports, uh, to say the very least, as uh, the nation um, uh, has had some tumultuous uh, days and nights of protests, of course, after um, you know the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis uh, last week. Maybe a bright spot on Saturday. Uh, I watched this live. I think you did, and maybe with mm-hmm. one of your sons as well. The SpaceX launch, which was really cool, um, first and foremost. And, of course, the uh, the meme that's going around, or, or, or the not-so-funny joke, is that uh, that Ben, ben Benkin and Doug Hurley maybe got off this planet just about the right time. <laughs> uh, first man, I didn't realize this either, too. Boy, time flies. First man flight... In nearly a decade, Isn't from, that amazing? from the U.S. soil. I mean, they've taken off right, from, from Russia, yeah, from the U- obviously, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, the first, yeah, nine years, I believe, was when the shuttle was Crazy. retired. Yeah, didn't realize that, but that was neat to watch. It was, and what I thought was the coolest was that you know, for years, you know, you, you saw the space shuttle take off, mm-hmm. and then you know, whatever, seven, eight minutes in, those boosters would fall off. Right, and they'd fall in the ocean, and you know they were mm-hmm. whatever you know they just waste away in the ocean. Whatever happened to them? Yeah. Now SpaceX has it where they 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 come off, and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple minutes later, they land on a landing pad on a drone a drone <laughs> boat out crazy? in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they nailed nailed the landing. I mean, it was like oh yeah, and they reuse oh, yeah. it, and it's smart, and uh-huh. it's like wow. I mean, how cool right. is that? A GPS guided, you know, just just plops right down on the bullseye. It's not like the old days where you, you had to have an aircraft carrier looking for bobbing capsules in the parachutes. <laughs> I mean, it was so primitive when you think of how these guys went to the moon and back, right, yeah. with less technology than we have in our cell phone. They're literally pulling levers and things like that. Um, well, just and, remarkable. And the cockpit of it, too. I mean, it's just a bunch oh, of touchscreens. Yeah. It's like there's no yeah. levers. There's no, you know, all that no. stuff that you, you remember from... Oh yeah, you know, not only just from you know watching launches, whatever else, but even like you know watch Apollo thirteen, the movie and stuff, and you know how many yeah. different levers and switches and this and, this, and there's oh, all the just buttons, touch screens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the computers, the computers were you know like giant mainframe things, and and um, but yeah, it was it was uh, and you know cool spacesuits, <laughs> you know they looked looked a lot more modern and stuff. And the, how about how about just the camera angles, right, in real time, like watching these guys and just how how clear everything was when you saw separation and you could see them go into orbit. I mean, it was just, I don't know. You were kind of a space geek. I, I'm mm-hmm. a lot, uh, I'm, I'm not a lot, but I'm older than you. 
Um, and, and I say that proudly, but I, I, I do remember when I was a little boy, um, you know, they were trying to go to the moon. And in fact, they were successful in doing so. Um, so that's where mine comes in. Yours was, of course, all around the space shuttle. And we remember uh, that got to be so routine that when Challenger blew up, it wasn't even live on all the networks. I mean, that's how routine those became. Yeah, I was in elementary school. And we were talking about this before the podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, Krista McAuliffe was the teacher on that mission. So right. they had the whole school or maybe maybe not kindergarten or what I was in elementary school but yeah you know they had a lot of us in the in the library to watch the the, the launch because it was a big deal that she was a part of it and as soon as the right. challenger you know took off it was like okay start filing out go back to class and <laughs> you know they they started with the youngest kids first and I'm kind of hanging back cuz I I love the space program and and would watch all you know as much as I could and learn about it and mm-hmm. and, right. and I was one of the few kids still in the library when it blew up yeah, or at least torn towards the TV. I, the way I remember it, people were starting to file back towards class. And yeah, it was like thirty-five or forty it, seconds. Then into they the kind flight, of really yeah. rushed everybody out. Oh yeah. And then I went. I remember getting home that afternoon and just you know trying to watch as much news and you know find out about it as I could. It was a, it was unbelievable. I, I'll never forget the day. I was not in elementary school, but I'll never forget the day of just how cold it was. Um, and, and and clear, you know, it was one of those days where you could see, um, you know, in Tampa with the shuttle flights, because they put off such a big plume with the two rocket boosters, mm-hmm. on a nice day, if you look to the east, you could see it. You know, you could see the you could see the, the streak of, uh, of exhaust and, and even the flame if it was a night launch um, sometimes. And so, obviously, when, you know, when you had that explosion, that cloud hung for a while, and so you could go outside and see that. I just remember... Um, it, it was only broadcast locally uh, because I think they had a, a Fox 13 reporter or something like that. Um, and it was after like the Price is Right, <laughs> like Bob Parker was on. And, um, come and on so down. That, yeah, come on down. Spin the wheel. So that all happened. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just, uh, it was incredible. But when they, when they powered up, you know, they obviously they, they, they powered up the the main engine or whatever, and then right after that it exploded. And the Michigan Control guy, and never forget this, when you watch the replay, he's so calm, and he obviously realizes what has happened, but he just very calmly, you know, he's going so many miles downrange, you know, uh, challengers, and it's like power up, and then you hear the astronauts are going to power up, and then it explodes, and he goes, obviously a major malfunction. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was, it was, it was looking back on it, it seems absurd, but that's exactly what he said. He goes, obviously a major malfunction. It's like, oof. Wow. But, um, yeah, we'll never forget that. But yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a bright spot to an otherwise difficult weekend, I think, throughout this country, um, to say the very least, with uh, all the protests and not just the protests, but obviously nobody wants to see violence. Nobody wants to see looting. And let me, let me just say this, that the looters, are there to loot? They are not the protesters for the most part. I think it's a combination of people that just want to cause chaos and lawlessness for their own personal gain or political means or what have you. But um, it, it was difficult to see even in Tampa. Um, we had lots of it going on, certainly in Hillsborough County. Uh, I know as we uh, did this podcast uh, Sunday, late Sunday night, uh, there was a curfew in Tampa, not in Hillsborough. Um, but there was there was a good story, you know, because there was uh, there were fires and uh, I think a champs uh, sporting goods burned mm-hmm. down uh, and and some other things gas station lit on fire and you know people losing their businesses and things is just uh, nonsensical. 
Um, but Joey Knight wrote this story, and, and I thought it was it was interesting to me, and it made made me feel good among all the chaos. But about uh, you know there there were all these protests uh, north of downtown, a bunch of guys that had played some ball together or against each other. Um, you're talking about guys like um, Katie Molina, who was uh, Sickles High tailback, according to Joey Knight, roughly a dozen former uh, local prep stars. They went to that Champ Sports store on Fowler that had been set on fire, uh, you know, during the protest. And this is the next morning, just several hours after it had burned down to the ground. Uh, and among them were USF quarterback Jordan McLeod, of course, from Plant. Uh, Bills receiver Ray Ray McLeod, his brother from Sickles. Bengals receiver Auden Tate from Wharton. Former Missouri back uh, tailback Ish Witter. Uh, from Alonzo, Colts cornerback Isaiah Rogers from Blake, Wake Forest quality control coach David Santana from Sickles. They've all known each other for a long time, according to Santana, and they they played against and with each other. So they all went out there with masks and latex gloves, and they cleared away all the glass and picked up the dishlodged awning and um, just sort of everything uh, that was you know scattered about and. You know, you just you just kind of makes you feel good. It makes you feel good that there are people, um, you know, that care about their neighborhood, care about obviously Tampa, uh, wanted to do something positive, uh, and uh, you know they love their city. And as Santana said, he goes, you know, we wear it on our chest wherever we go. Uh, you want to see change, but you don't want to see that kind of change. And so they just wanted to show people that you know there's good folks in this city and in this world. And I thought that was you know. A, a good feel-good story when we needed one. I've read lots of stories like this from not only mm-hmm. locally but uh, everywhere as it's going on, and you know, unfortunately, yeah. it gets drowned out by you know sure the, the, the flames on television and the you know things being thrown and, and this and, and stores being looted. You know, yeah. and unfortunately, all that stuff gets drowned. I mean, everything that this is about this week has all been drowned out by that. Absolutely, and and you know that's the shame of it, and it's a it's a small select few doing it of course and, and yeah. you know and I, for I their own means I, i've mm-hmm. covered protests and riots before for you know yeah over the course of the last 20 years and, and different stops mm-hmm. of mine and it's always right. a small group sure it's not it's never what was intended it's not what the organizers and most of the people there want no but it it, it gets hijacked so to speak but yeah, and a lot, a lot of times, uh, you know, it's people that want to create that image, right, mm-hmm. um, that that aren't satisfied with the fact that it's a peaceful protest, and yet the protesters are kind of a, you know, generally are blamed for it, even though they're, they weren't involved. There's, mm-hmm. there's other people that aren't part of that group that, you know, start smashing windows and burning things and, and looting and all that, and they're not there to protest. They're, but the protests themselves... Uh, get blamed for it and it, it's unfortunate and and it's you know people on every side not just one side or the other politically um, that want to create more of this division and discord and then there's opportunists and everything else but it happened all I mean this is this looks like hopefully things turn here I'm not sure how it's going to happen um, you know hopefully things turn in this country where um, you know we can come to a better place than we're at right now this has been hard to watch and um, even harder to live if if you're a member of the African American community that have frankly had enough of this. And I think everybody that watched you know the video 
of, of George Floyd recognizes that that was murder. Uh, he is charged with third-degree murder, that there are probably other police officers that need to be uh, charged as well, and hopefully that will happen in due order. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a difficult thing. And, um, you know, this, this Derek Chauvin guy, um, you know, had had issues when he was with Minneapolis Police Department. They fired him, obviously, but he had other things that they should have probably been paying more attention to. And, um, you know, but there was, again, you know, how much of this has gone on? The list of names, you know, is long. And we've seen it just over the last couple of years even. And yet, you know, this this has gone on for many, many years. And it, and it just so happens that more and more people are now capturing it on camera because of cell phones. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's right front and center. We need to all address it. So, uh, boy, tough year. I mean, coronavirus and then, of course, this, this murder and then uh, all the protests that follow it. Uh, a very difficult summer, to say the very least, and spring now rolling into summer altogether. So we hope we get past it. We know you're not here uh, listening to Sports Day Tampa Bay necessarily to talk, you know, a ton about that. I just wanted to say... Uh, one thing, and this is sort of a sentiment that was, I thought, you know, Pete Alonzo, who who went to plant and, of course, was uh, Rookie of the Year for the Mets, and um, we'll talk about baseball here in a moment. But, uh, you know, he's a local hero. And a lot of these athletes, they do have platforms. And, and I, I feel good that many of them, including Michael Jordan, by the way, um, who was one not to jump into uh, very many things when he was a player, uh, have said, have come out and made statements um, but particularly a lot of a lot of white athletes. And listen, I'm just going to read this one because I think it's it's representative of what you heard a lot from from the athletic and from the sports world, particularly from white athletes. This is Pete Alonzo. He said, "For the past couple of days, I've struggled to wrap my mind around what's happening. Uh, I have a voice, and I will not remain silent. My heart has been broken over the murder of George Floyd. I will never know what it feels like to be." discriminated against because of the color of my skin to anyone who faces this type of discrimination i will fight for you and be an ally i will always stand with you there needs to be justice and change made for the better of humanity let words be our sword and unity be our armor take care of each other so that you know very well done by pete alonzo first and foremost local guy that that everybody knows has been i'm sure he wants to play baseball and, and get back to the business of sport like we all do uh, first the pandemic and now this, um, but I thought that was reflective of what I read very frequently on on uh, the internet. Again, particularly from uh, athletes uh, that were not of color, and trying to finally um, sort of understand and use their voice uh, to speak up against this sort of thing, um, which has become all too much the norm for minorities. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, I, speaking of baseball, however. There's a couple things going on. Look, just on the the macro view of this is that there needs to be sport, there needs to be baseball, and in particular, which has which has not begun its season. Now they're you know they've had the owner's proposal, and obviously the the players weren't very receptive to it to say the very least. I think that um, you know owners are talking about playing half a season. They wanted concessions beyond just salary, which would be a percentage based. And, um, you know, that that's not necessarily going to fly with Major League Baseball players. But on a macro level, if they don't play baseball this year, think about what happens, right? Under this environment with so much unemployment, with a pandemic, with racial discord, with all the things 
um, that are going on at this time when you have billionaires arguing with millionaires and, and you really can't see uh, their way out of this box, it could really set the sport back because when they get to a year from now and you're at the end of a collective bargaining agreement and you're looking at a potential lockout and or strike and both sides are dug in and the owner's like, okay, well, you know, you want to go another year without getting paid? I mean, this thing could get really, really ugly fast. And, and um, I guess uh, as we began this podcast, uh, the Major League Baseball players, at least there was one report that they are now countering, making their, their counter proposal. Yeah, so the Players Association delivered its proposal to the league Sunday afternoon. Their proposal is 114 games starting June 30th and ending October 31st, two mm-hmm. years of expanded playoffs, $100 million of total deferred money, and an opt-out for all players if they don't want to play. And that was from Evan Drellich uh, from The Athletic in Boston. Uh, Jeff Passan had a little more details on a couple of those things, um, specifically the – the, the players won a three-week spring training. So in order to start to schedule June 30th, a deal would probably have to be done this week. This week. And so is that longer than what the owners were planning? Were they planning less than three weeks? Uh, I don't know about that, but or they weren't planning the nearly as many games. So if you want to get well, 114 so games. sooner. I mean, yeah, if you're trying right. to get 114 games in by October 31st and then do the playoffs after that, you're going to, you know, you've got to get a deal done and get started by probably June And I'm surmising the reason why the players want to do that is to lower the, the, the amount of money they lose, right? I mean, they get less deferred salary. Correct. They've agreed to, um, you know, prorated salaries based on the number of games played. So if they play 81 right. games, they get half their pay. If they play 114, sure. they get a lot more of their pay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Players with high risk, viewed high risk for COVID-19, would mm-hmm. receive a salary this year. Other players who opt out that aren't high risk would only get service time only, according to Jeff Passan. And they're playing. What, what would that be? What is high risk? Age thing? I mean, what are we talking um, about? Suppose you, you have uh, asthma, or respiratory disease. I got you. If you're immunocompromised, I I, I'm guessing gotcha. on this, but um, yeah, it's that a, makes it's, sense. It's traditionally a respiratory disease. You're so, considered a high risk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you have you know some of those conditions that you know, and you say I'm not comfortable playing, then sure. Um, if you're viewed high risk, and, and I'm sure I mean, that's all negotiated as far as what would be considered that, and I, I'm They'll guessing the there's not many yeah. players in that in that category but there might be a few right um and the inclusion of the potential defers by players is an olive branch even if it does apply just to the canceled postseason it opens up the door for more talking and that that really mm-hmm. applies to players making 10 million dollars a year or more which is a really small part of the the union it really is i mean i, I was reading this story by buster Olney. i won't read the whole thing to you um but I, but the one part that i found interesting was that uh baseball's financial proposal he writes uh, would be a big hit, we know, for high-earning players, clearly. But that's really such a small subset. And to give you an example, he says that there were 1,410 players who appeared in a Major League Baseball game in 2019. So in, in football, there's about 1,600 or so. Um, more than that appear in a game, but that, that's what's on the rosters. So Major League Baseball, 1,410. There were 124 out of 1,410 124 players who earned at least $10 million. That's only 9%. 9% of the player pool. So 91% does not earn $10 million or more, and they'd be one of the most affected by um, you know, this, this proration of, of salaries. There were 140 players scheduled to earn at least $10 million in 2020. 40 players, only 40 out of 1,410, 
uh, earned at least $20 million in 2019. That's only 3% of the player pool. You're talking about guys like Mike Trout, for example. Um, he's one of 3%. And there were 47 players, again, out of all those guys, who were scheduled to earn at least $20 million in 2020. Um, so, I mean, it's such a small – I mean, I'm really surprised that – and obviously these are the biggest stars and the biggest names and therefore have the biggest platforms and voices. We saw this a little bit in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers and others that were against the deal that eventually was signed by the NFL uh, PA. But, my goodness, um, the ones that are going to be the most affected represent 9% and sometimes less than that of the total total pool of players. Well, and that's the way baseball's players union has always operated is that, yeah. um, you know, the way they've taken a stand on absolutely no salary cap, um, not really interested in revenue sharing, is they protect the players that have those three, four hundred million dollar deals while everybody mm-hmm. else ends up making less in the long run. Right. And I've never understood why that is the players union stance. I mean, I get why Bryce Harper thinks that way and I get why. You know, the, the players make the Albert Pujolses and, and Miguel Cabreras think that way. But if yeah. you're the union head, shouldn't your goal be to get more for everybody? Well, they've never accepted, and, and I think they need to talk about this because it's kind of what they're trying to do or the owners are trying to do with respect to this this uh, abbreviated season is they've never really had the revenue share that, that the NFL and other sports have. I mean, they're not partners per se, you know, Um and as such, that's what's unusual about Major League Baseball asking these guys to make a concession for there not being any fans. It's like, well, wait a minute. That's a revenue we don't share in as far as who's who's at the games. You know, obviously you pay people accordingly based on your attendance and how many, what kind of a draw you think they are and all of that. Um, but when you have, you know, a club that makes draws, you know, three and a half, four million people because Mike Trout or – somebody like him is is playing, you know, is one of the top players, or Bryce Harper, you don't then give them more money because you had a good year at the attendance at the gate. So um, that's – but that's how you end up with such a, a fractured system is that, you know, there there really isn't the consideration for for all their players. And, you know, you have the, the very, very haves and, and the rest of them. And it's a young man's game too. That's the other thing is like, you know, not not many guys last in the major leagues long enough to get those that kind of money. You know, and so uh, it is it is a little it seems a little backwards to me, especially with what they're fighting for and what they're fighting against. But hopefully, the we can get to, to the business of baseball. And, and I guess if there's good news, if the players want this to happen the way uh, they propose, then we we know something pretty soon. Um, so. Maybe it'll go their way. Maybe it won't. If it doesn't, I'm telling you, I feel bad for baseball and for baseball fans in particular in the sport because they need to play some games. And um, if they can do it safe and they can do it soon, it, it needs to happen. Uh, speaking of uh, of leagues and one that I cover, of course, the NFL. This is a big day for the NFL as well. The coaches are allowed back into their facilities. Uh, remember, it's, uh, the mm-hmm. coaches in the front office and everybody's been apart a week ago. They started allowing some uh, office personnel back. Up to seventy-five employees could come back. Some some took advantage of it right away. I don't think the Bucks did. I don't think they were quite prepared uh, last Tuesday when they when they allowed that. But now um, Bruce Arians and his staff can come back into the building and, and sort of be together with with you know the the usual 
um, guidelines of six feet apart and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, I think, just if I had to guess, that the players will be invited back probably this time next week or certainly within the next two weeks. You know, typically, by the time we get to the middle of June, that's the disbursement of all your off-seasons. That's, that's the end of the off-season program. And so the players then go away for about five weeks where they take vacation, they try to stay in shape, but they're away, they can't be in the building. Um, and then they come back and trickle in towards the end of July for training camp, mm-hmm. rookie orientation, that sort of thing. It would end, um, the off-season program would end about the 15th or middle of June with a mini camp, with a full squad mini camp. Well, you know, as it stands now, they may start or whatever's left of the off-season program may actually not begin until the middle of June. So any, what they might do is go they forward. Just push all that stuff back to July and just extend training camp essentially? Well, I mean, they can. What, what I think will happen, as Peter King would say, here's what I think I think. I think what they'll do is they'll come back as soon as possible. I, I mean, look, first of all, you don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic. If you have flashes or something like that, right? But if the ability to gather as a team is there, uh, and I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, when I when we're doing this uh, recording, there was maybe one death in Florida. There wasn't very. There's a bunch of cases, but not that many deaths. So if things are trending the way they are going, I think the goal will be let's get them back in. Let's get let let's start this as much off season as we got left that we can manage, and it obviously will go past J- June 15th, maybe all the way up until July 4th for a couple weeks, and then. Um, if they have to break for a weekend or two, that's fine. But then come back maybe a little bit earlier because I think, look, I, I, this is a hard thing to do. I don't think people understand that if you're, um, you know, Matt Rule or you're somebody that's, uh, you know, a, a new coach at a, at a new team, you know, you're Ron Rivera in Washington, you need time with those players. It, it, I mean, this, you know, it's great to have Zoom meetings and go on the chalkboard and get guys to tell you, you know, what what all this stuff is and where they're supposed to be on this play or this formation or what the rotation is. I mean, that that's all fine. But until you can get on the grass with each other and build relationships, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, maybe Tom Brady, you know, is out here, you know, at Berkeley Prep spending 25 minutes, you know, every time he works out with those guys getting to, to, to form relationships. But there's nothing like being in the building, being in meetings and things like that and on the grass to where that really starts to happen. So the the new team, the new coaches with the new quarterbacks, Teddy Bridgewater and others, they've got a lot to learn, and so does Tom Brady. And so I think, you know, for the sake of the product, they they want everybody to be back in as soon as possible and get up to date. If they can do it again, they got to do it safely. And, and those are the protocols we don't know. Are they going to be tested? Um, how many players? How are they all coming back together at once? Are there going to be days when you know you can only have so many? Uh, of your 90-man roster in the building? Are they going to be separated from coaches? Is it going to be small groups? Like All that stuff, I'm sure, has to be worked out. But I think it's going to happen, and I think it's going to happen fairly soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, Rick, also on Sunday, the Major League Soccer Players Association, they voted to approve economic concessions for this season that include across-the-board salary cuts, and they're agreeing to play in a proposed summer tournament in Orlando. Uh, This was made public by their union on Sunday night. The owners still have to approve the deal, but um, MLS could be uh, closer to returning. They've been uh, started working out in small groups at at their complexes, um, I think, in the last week or so. Um, so uh, as we swing soccer all across the Europe, starting to get back to play, MLS may not be far behind now. Is it possible they could run out of hotel rooms in Orlando? Well, I mean, with the NBA, with the NBA playing there, some of the well, look. I mean, there's a lot of youth sports there too, right? Yeah. I mean, although I mean, Disney and, and Universal and all that are only are going to be at reduced capacity. That's true. Uh, going forward, so it's not like you've got them full of tourists. I mean, you may have some, yeah. but uh, it's reservations only in that. So uh, it's crazy. I, I got to assume they've got it figured out. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure, waiting for the NHL to say we're going to Orlando, though I don't think that'll happen. But it I wish we could go to Orlando. From what I understand, they're not going to allow any media, um, at least as far as like. I mean, that may change, but. You know, we I don't think we're going to be running up there. I don't think there's going to be availability for us. Um, if they do credential people, it'll probably be from the teams, you know, and maybe the Associated Press, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's the one thing. we do. When, when you have these hubs, I mean, baseball is trying to play in their home stadiums, so there may be right. limited media sure. um, at those games. I, I, you know, I, I don't – I think it would be, you know, the, the media that covers you every day may be on, yeah. on some of those. When it comes to the NBA, the NHL, uh, MLS, where they're going to one hub, um, yeah. they may severely limit media or maybe not have any of them there. Um, mm-hmm. And it's mostly about containing and, and preventing virus spread. Exposure, that, yeah. As you're you know, putting 12 teams or if the NBA puts 20 to 24 teams in Orlando and MLS has, I think, what, 26 teams in their league now. So if they're all wow. in Orlando, it's, you know, how much access do you want to give people? I mean, post games will be on Zooms, kind of what – leagues are doing right now with for player and coach availability yeah um so it'll it, it, you know I, I don't think all those details are worked out and i don't think that's you know they're trying to figure out how to play it first and then you figure out those stuff on the back end but um it, it it's definitely going to change the way sports are covered and it has already and and i think that will continue we've been you know um benefiting from the bucks once a week last week they actually gave us a player in todd bowles the defensive coordinator but you know typically this time of year there would only be OTAs and and they're required to make players available and the coach one out of every I think it's three or four uh, offseason or you know organized team activities which are usually practices Uh, and so we're not really getting less access it's different access instead of bringing them into a Mm -hmm. interview room we're getting guys you know on zoom for 15 minutes but it's really not that different and I would imagine that if they do bring these players back and they start working out, and they have what what we would normally call OTAs. I think we'll continue with that. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think I'll be at the Spectrum's you know health training center uh, until maybe at the earliest training camp. But that's just hypothesizing. If 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 in fact I even get to go then, but um, you know, but the, the sure would be nice for the players. I think the intent is to try to get them back as soon as they can. Um, and so, like I said, coaches today. I would think players uh, coming down the road here probably in a week or so. So things are starting to wake up as far as sports goes. Now we just have to figure out how to fix the rest of society, and we'll be we'll be able to play some games. Cause they were staged. As a matter of fact, Raymond James, speaking of uh, stadiums, I mean, they had uh, 
armored vehicles were staging over there um, mm-hmm. on Sunday night. So uh, that was not being used for football, but for something else, unfortunately. Hey, tomorrow, uh, and uh, maybe actually for the next two days, as a matter of fact, special treat for you. This happens every two weeks, and I'm really excited he does this. Tom Jones, my former radio partner, of course, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. He's been right in the middle of all this uh, news coverage as well at the Pointer Institute Media Studies. You can read his newsletter every day on pointer.org, that's P-O-Y-T-N-E-R, and he's going to join us uh, probably for the next two days. So got something to look forward to. And I'm sure we'll have uh, lots more. It'll be a much-needed about... break for him from all this uh, <laughs> yeah, protest well, and riot coverage. I think that's why he does it, to be honest with you. I think he likes to just come on here and not talk. And we'll talk We'll talk whatever he wants to talk about in his newsletter and things like that. There's interesting uh, ways that the media has covered this, um, you know, these la- the pandemic and, and of course, uh, the protests and things like that. So he'll have a lot to say. I mean, I saw... What I see on I, on CNN and one show, uh, they had Spike Lee and Jane Fonda. I'm like, wow, we are uh, we're pulling out all all kinds of uh, <laughs> of famous Hollywood types here. It's like, I mean, we can't book that on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I mean, just saying, you know, like that's those are a listers, I guess, at this point. Who knows? So, wow, we'll Tom Jones, we'll kick it around, talk a little sports with him, and uh, whatever else comes up, who knows? But that'll be fun. So, we'll look forward to. Talking with you guys tomorrow. Uh, for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Stay safe. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. <laughs>